Coming to you live this morning from the Mushroom Kingdom, WKBAG Studios, Warrior K. Rule, Bowser, Andros Gann, and this is Video Games, a comedy show, the only video game podcast that is funny at all. Join the Radio Morning Zoo Tycoon crew as we explore topics such as video game characters who eat stuff, and sure, Kratos is a father, but is he the ultimate daddy? Video Games, a comedy show, is a part of the Schmidtcast family of podcasts, so subscribe for a brand new episode every Monday morning. You can find it anywhere podcasts are heard. That's Video Games, a comedy show. Almost heaven, West Virginia, Blue Ridge Mountains, Shenandoah River. Life is old there, older than the trees, younger than the mountains, blowing like a breeze. Country roads, take me home. Let's get your mountain mama, take me home. Is that a leaky faucet, or is death just happy to see me? Hello! You're listening to Dish and Bout Destination with your friends till the end, Eric and Jeremy. My name is Jeremy Schmidt. My name's Eric Keppel, and uh, my name's uh, Sean William Scott. Thanks for having me, guys. Oh, I I bet all of you listeners are uh, very excited to have Sean William Scott on the show. You had probably no idea he was going to be on, but it turns out Sean William Scott is easy to get these days, aren't you, Sean? He already took off, Jeremy. What? I paid him. Uh, that was eight hundred dollars <laughs> worth of an appearance fee for uh, Sean William Scott. He had I had to fly him out here to Denver. So and that then was the pay him eight hundred dollars on top of that. No, the flight was about seven hundred and seventy <laughs> bucks. His his appearance fees these days are like thirty dollars, but that's all you get from him. Wow, is, is about four words. I don't know what the going rate of words by a celebrity is, but. That seems expensive. <laughs> yeah, that's probably how they do it, right? They go by word, not by time or any other uh, measurable, more normal measurement. <laughs> right. It's like uh, Charles Dickens. Pay me by the word, you bastard. Uh, Eric, I got to tell you right up top, I'm so happy that we're finally doing a film series where the characters inside the film have absolutely no idea how to react when somebody dies. <laughs> that is so special for me. I feel like in our, our other film series and other films we've covered, people have been acting too naturally, you know? Their performances have been too real, too close to like what they would actually do if somebody, you know, died in front of them. But no, not here. Not here. No, <laughs> they uh, they respond to every death as if it was just another clue in the mystery <laughs> i i love these movies jeremy so much i this is uh this is like a genuinely a favorite franchise for me mm. um i as a teenager when i was watching this first one i had flashbacks to i don't think this was the first time i saw this movie but one of the times i watched it i was lying on a couch at my parents house uh when i was a teenager and I had rented a copy of it from Blockbuster on DVD. And this was uh, after the Christmas that we had gotten. Did, did you ever have one of those like portable DVD players? Uh, I never like, did, but I was always jealous of my buddies who had them. 
Yeah, it was basically like a laptop, but all that it could do was play DVDs, yes. and you couldn't type or do anything on it. But uh, you could like lay on you could lay on your back and just like set it on your chest and watch a movie. And I remember watching this this film that way. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. While you were watching it, um, or I guess while you were having this flashback, did you happen to have any other premonitions? For example, maybe about your own death. Maybe death was coming for you while you were watching Final Destination. How ironic would that be? Yeah, well, I spilled water on the portable DVD player. <laughs> it electrocuted me. Right. I had to get revived, but I I, I cheated death, Jeremy. Oh, um, that's great. And uh, I think the way this works is that you're next. Oh. That's why I bring this up. That's interesting yeah. you say that because I was watching this film on my t- television. Um, I, uh, I, I spent a lot of time... Um, uh, you know, like uh, mounting my TV to my wall recently. And as okay. I was watching the film, you know, uh, unbeknownst to me, the TV was slowly being pulled out, out of the wall by, by weight. You know, I, I hadn't found the studs in the wall. I didn't do it right. And then, uh, of course, crash. The TV comes crashing down on top of me. It electrocutes my entire body. But uh, I did not die. I just ejaculated instead. So... <laughs> Uh, I guess someone else is next. Maybe Jackie, my girlfriend. <laughs> uh, Jeremy, what are your uh, what what's your history with the with the FD movies? Never seen any of the other ones other than this one. I've seen this one one maybe like one time, and I I feel like it was a, like a late night at a friend's house. I did not remember. I actually remembered more of it than I thought I was going to especially the first half. I feel like I've maybe seen the first half a few more times in the second half. I, uh, I did not remember anything like sort of past when the teacher dies, when Miss Luton dies. I, I kind of, right. Yeah. Like all the stuff in the car. She dies. I haven't finished it yet. Oh no, I should, we should (laughs) have set up top spoiler alert. Uh, there's going to be lots of spoilers for the final destination film. Uh, which is a 2000 release. So if you haven't seen it yet, you are 20 years nearly too late. And with yeah. that, let's get into some of the like little pre-roll of the episode before we uh, before we jump into the plot. Are you down for that? I'm freaking. I'm I'm down to clown. Okay. And I'm also down for that. <laughs> so both. Those are two individual things you're down for. You're down to clown. Separate thought. Down for this. Yes. Great. Uh, Final Destination is a 2000 American supernatural horror film directed by James Wong. James Wong of X-Files fame. Eric, we've talked about X-Files. We've covered an episode of X-Files on the show. I feel like that is... um, Did we know that going in, or is this just like a a happy coincidence? We did not. And I actually... I. I don't know why I didn't, because I, I know, like, kind of the origin of, like, how this started. Uh, I'll let you get into it. But, yeah, the, uh, I love the X-Files. I've uh, watched uh, the... I've gone through, like, an X-Files phase, uh, and I enjoy mm. that show. Mm-hmm. What's your history? You haven't seen. You've only seen that one episode, right, Jeremy? No, I've seen. A f- I've seen a couple episodes, but I have. I've okay. not seen a lot. I've. I've not seen a lot. Yeah. Um, so, uh, if you are interested in hearing us cover an episode of the X Files, we covered Chinga, I believe, is yes. the name of the episode for our uh, bonus weekly bonus show, which you can get at 
Patreon.com slash Eric and Jeremy. Yes, thank you. We we need to make sure we say that uh, URL aloud at least once per episode and uh, and close to the beginning. So thank you for reminding me. <laughs> the other day, I have another Patreon connected to another show, and uh, I, I realized like I just I just wasn't even saying what the what it was like the URL for like multiple episodes. I was like literally like plugging the patreon but just not saying patreon.com slash vga comedy show you know what i mean it was like what a goof anyways yeah. the film stars devin sawa ali larder kerr smith tony todd and of course sean william scott um may he get safely back home to wherever he lives uh sawa portrays a teenager who cheats death after having a premonition of a catastrophic plane explosion and we'll get more into the plot later the film began as a spec script written by reddick for an episode of the x-files that would be jeffrey reddick a writer for the x-files uh is that sort of the history you were talking about how this film was going to be an x-files episode and didn't yeah from my understanding and this could be wrong but i think he like wrote a spec script and then was encouraged to turn it into a feature or something. Yes. But I could be wrong. I don't know. Uh, probably the right move here. I think there was an, there's like a wealth of, uh, there's a wealth of ideas in this film. I don't think this uh, film is lacking in ideas. So I think that was probably the right move. Uh, this is James Wong's uh, directorial debut. Pretty good for a first film. I, I must say. And, uh, uh, this film is uh, shot by the wonderful Robert McLaughlin, whose uh, career I wasn't too familiar with, but he was one of the people nominated in like one of these horror film award ceremonies, blockbuster film awards, something like that, for like best uh, cinematographer. Pretty cool. Yeah, the Saturn Award for best horror film. Uh, it, this film won that. And best oh, yeah. performance I'm... by a younger actor for Sawa's performance. Younger actor. Who is that? For Sawa? Sawa. Devin Sawa. Yeah. Sawa. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Of course. The film's success. Have you seen him in anything else, by the way? <laughs> yes. Uh, my One of my favorite films growing up was a, a, a movie called Idle Hands which okay. I just absolutely love. It's another horror film, but it's more of a comedic horror film starring Devin Sawa, Seth Green, a very young Jessica Alba, Vivica A. Fox. It's got a, got a pretty good cast, but Eric, the reason why I was so drawn to the film is because I heard a little rumor that the band The Offspring plays in the movie. <laughs> <laughs> and You know, uh, I just, uh, I just um, went on a... a I was I went on a little mini road trip with a high school buddy and I put together a playlist like an intentionally bad nostalgic playlist. Awesome. And you bet your damn ass that P- pretty fly for a white guy was on there. <laughs> so I literally heard that song yesterday. Yeah. I I will say though of the two uh most problematic offspring songs you could have chosen the uh the one co- titled uh, my friend's got a girlfriend and he hates that bitch was probably the the worst <laughs> of the two so i'm glad you uh, i'm glad you went with the uh pretty fly for a white guy there now, i d- <laughs> didn't know about that song that's oh, that's a, that is a huge single uh my friend's got a girlfriend and he hates that bitch is the name is i believe the title of it, title of it or it might just be called my friend's got a girlfriend but you don't remember that song growing up no Oh my God, Eric! You got as soon as this is over, uh, listen to it, and we'll be sure to play it as the as the 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 podcast ends today. Uh, <laughs> sure, <laughs> as the credits roll on this podcast, uh, the, yeah. the film's success spawned a media franchise. Mm, 
guess you can call it that, encompassing four additional installments sure. as well as a series of novels and comic books. Boy, oh boy, can you imagine if we'd actually gotten through Child's Play 2 and 3, the novel, we'd be like having to read the Final Destination I mean, listen, novels. folks, <laughs> when we were covering the Chucky films, we discovered there were Child's Play novels, and uh, one of our uh, intrepid, I don't know what that word means, but I'm going to use it here, intrepid yes. fans, mm-hmm. uh, uh, Dad wears glasses. Sent us uh, electronic copies of two of the novels. <laughs> uh, we managed. We we thought it would be fun to read them on air. We managed to get, I think, ten pages into the first one. Um, we'll probably maybe go back and keep keep reading some of them, maybe. But maybe. Uh, <laughs> you know, if anyone happens to, and just if anyone happens to have access to this, no one has to spend any money. I wouldn't mind taking a look at just what a Final Destination novel looks like. And also, did you say there were comic books, too, or did I make yes. that up? Yes. No, that is that is exactly I would, what I said. There are some comic books. I would books. love to see a, an FDCB. <laughs> a Final Destination uh, uh, comic book? Comic book? Yeah. Let, let, me, let, me, let me just check here. Uh, a so- this is a source I, I like called Comixology. I'm a big uh, comic book nerd. And I like uh, I like Amita Rita some of comic books. And Final Destination comics are not on Comixology, hmm. meaning they probably have not been digitized. Big bummer. Oh. I guess we're going to have to find them um, tactile. Anyways, I'm going to get into some of us, uh, a little trivia about the film. Um, yes, let's see. Bah, 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 bah. There, okay, so this is something I think is really funny about a lot of the trivia about Final Destination 1. It has to do with a lot of the actors sleeping <laughs> on set of the film. So okay. uh, here's the first piece of trivia. In the opening scene, Devin Sawa, or Alex, was supposed to pretend to be asleep. He actually fell asleep for four hours. <laughs> <laughs> Kerr Smith and Sean William Scott took motion sickness pills, Dramamine, before each plane crash take and were half asleep in these scenes. That's why oh, they aren't the shown close up much. <laughs> uh, the exterior of Miss Luton's house, you know, the one that blows up in the film, um, was course. built in five days and the residents of Vancouver liked it so much they didn't want it to blow up. They said it was a very nice looking house. <laughs> Um, this is like something that I actually kind of forgot about, but the whole John Denver motif that is played throughout the film is a callback to his own death, which was by plane crash. So, uh, take that John Denver. (laughs) Um, yeah. yeah. Best use of a John Denver song in a movie. I think so. Probably. Yeah. Uh, I forget what song is it? Is it country? I think it's country road. Yeah. Yeah. To the place I belong. Uh, around the four-minute mark. Uh, West Virginia. <laughs> <laughs> That's truly how should, we should have started this episode. <laughs> uh, so that you know that shot of Alex's bedside clock where it says like 1 a.m., but then it like kind of uh, sketches out and says 180. <laughs> yeah, transfers to the like flight number or whatever. Yeah. Well, apparently that yeah. shot took five days to get correct. <laughs> what? <laughs> I find that to be absolutely hilarious. Um, yeah, exactly. What? Uh, uh, apparently, Tobey Maguire and Kirst- uh, Kirsten Dunst were supposed to play Alex and Clear in the film. Oh, that would um, be fun. Can I be honest with you? That's a much better casting. I think. Than what, than what we got? Than what we got, which was Devin Sawa and Ali Larder, who I think are fine, but man, 
Toby and Kirsten, hubba hubba. Uh, <laughs> the Chinese title of this film translates as The Death God Comes. <laughs> okay. That is That's uh, honestly, almost a also, better name. I know. I know. Can you imagine if uh, in, in, in the year 2000, us, going to the, us rolling up to the movie theater, but we're not there to see Final Destination. No, in this alternate reality, we're there to see The Death God Comes starring Toby Maguire and Kirsten Dunst. That sounds great. <laughs> um, and I guess the last little bit of trivia, because we are a film podcast-ish, this is sort of a film-based uh, piece of trivia. Most of the characters in the film are named after directors or stars from black and white horror films. Chaney is obviously okay. named after Lon Chaney. R- Wagner is named after George Wagner. Browning, named after director Todd Browning. Larry Murnau is named after F.W. Murnau. Uh, Shrek is named after Max Shrek. <laughs> Valerie Luton is named after Val Luton, produced several famous horror films. Blake Dreyer, named after Carl Theodore Dreyer, the director of Vampire. Howard Siegel, named after Don Siegel, the director of Dirty Harry and Billy Hitchcock, whose name pays homage to Alfred Hitchcock. So... And another, uh, while we're talking name trivia, another piece of trivia, the name Clear Rivers is actually in a reference to a clear river. (laughs) 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 That's one of the dumbest. I knew her name was Clear, but when I saw on IMDb her name, full name is Clear Rivers. Yeah. That's one of the dumbest fake names I've ever seen in my life, and I love it. Yeah, I was also going to say, like, just from watching Allie Larder's performance of Clear River, I totally bought that that character's name would actually be Clear River. <laughs> yeah, sure. I was like, you are, yeah, your name is either Clear River or your name is Amulet. That is the two she, options. She gives off the vibe of, like, she's she's, like, still in high school, but she's 18 and, like, uh, which I have a lot of questions about her situation that we'll get into, but she uh, like ran away from home and legally changed her name to something kooky. Yes, and it just happened to be Clear Rivers. Yes, uh, she's like a um, a worse version of Kyle, the character from Child's Play Two. <laughs> she did give me very Ky- Kyle vibes, like uh, on on her way to an MFA in uh, yes. <laughs> ceramics or something yeah yeah she's she is going her her nonfiction, her work of nonfiction um uh hits the new york times bestseller list for sure uh yeah. the budget of this film was 23 million dollars considering all the special effects in this film i don't even know i don't maybe that's not that low for the time but to me i was like kind of surprised i was like geez um, but it uh, made back $112 million. So that's a nice little return oh, on its investment. Yeah. However, it was not necessarily considered a critical success at all. It was also not considered to be that much of a box office success. It was number three in the box office for a few weeks, and then it kind of dipped down after that. I guess this film is much more... Okay, so here's my theory, Eric, and I, I haven't really read anything to confirm this, but tell me what you think. This yeah. film comes out in the year 2000. That is right around the big DVD boom. And I think that this film got super popular on video. I think that's where like the big like cult following of Final Destination or or like teens realizing this is like a really badass fun kooky twist on a horror film. I think it comes from the DVD sales. What do you think? 
I think you're probably right. I, I can picture seeing this in like on like the new releases section. You know, when they uh, you go into a blockbuster, they have the new releases section, and they would just have like an entire like row and columns dedicated mm-hmm. to like one new release. Yeah, and you would like you know sometimes you would go in there to try and get a copy of like. Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon, because yes. it just came out on DVD, and there'd be none left. Right. You'd, like, check behind the boxes. I could see that happening with a Final Destination yeah. uh, situation. Uh, for sure. I, I think it is funny that they do they do mention in the DVD release that the DVD bonus features include three audio commentaries, three deleted scenes, and two full documentaries. <laughs> <laughs> that because Jeremy, like, I... Oh yeah, go. I don't know if you have the if you have the DVD or how you watch this, but I uh, I have a DVD, and I'm not sure. Uh, I it, I know that there's uh, there's commentary, but I don't know if I have. I would love to see those documentaries and stuff. I'm gonna see if I can maybe watch those for the next episode if they're on there. Yeah, that'd be awesome. I mean, they sound to me a passing fan of Final Destination, boring as hell, but. <laughs> I would love to hear what you think of them. Okay. Uh, yeah, no, I just think it's funny to have like packed the DVD with so many special features because this was the era of special features and commentaries. Sure. Three audio commentaries for Final Destination is, I think, two audio commentaries too many. <laughs> I mean, that's, that is so funny that there's that much because now it's like you can't... I can't like I, I I pay like thirty forty bucks for a uh, a film maybe on Blu-ray and it's got maybe like one of these things on there. You know there is one special feature that we have to look out for and forgive me while I stall and look for this tweet from Brian because uh, Brian uh, he said something about fuck I'm not gonna be able to find it but I guess there is a DVD feature on one of the uh, Blu-rays mm-hmm. okay so he says on the Blu-ray uh, the bonus feature from the Final Destination 3 disc uh, <laughs> hold on a second it, oh, okay on physical copies of 3 there is a choose your own fate feature oh, and he says it's good. such a f- dumb slash fun gimmick I want to know what that means Yes, I don't I, know I what do a choose-your-own-fate <laughs> situation is, but uh, I love it. I'm picturing a Goosebumps-style pick-your-own pick your own nightmare kind of a thing. But, Hell yeah. A yeah. little like uh, like Bandersnatch, maybe a little pre-Bandersnatch. Sure. Um, let's get into the plot, shall we? Jeremy, let's dive right in. And real quick, before before we dive in, I just want to I just want to catch up w- with you cuz we might have some new listeners uh you know uh tuning in for the final destination. Sure. But, you know there's we've actually gotten a little bit of a response on Twitter. I think people are excited for this. Uh I'm excited. Yes. I'm really excited that you're seeing four of these movies for the first time cuz they <laughs> there are you kind of think of these as like standalone things but they kind of tie together in different very fun weird ways yeah. and some of them are better than others, but they're all worth watching. Yeah, I mean the other two the film. I mean the, the other three films seem like loosely, pretty disconnected. Maybe loosely connected. I know the next one definitely has Ali Larder and Tony Todd again. The third one is James Wong comes back to direct, but seems to have none of the same cast. And then the fourth one just seems like an outlier. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, so. I just want to know, Jeremy, this is 19 years ago. Yeah. And you're 56. I'm 
12. Right. So what were you up to? I, I wasn't even born yet. What were you up in, up to in the year 2000? Honestly, I think the year 2000, I had been living in Texas, I guess, for two years at that point. But I, I mean, I was up to I was up to no good, Eric. I, I, I think I was like about to start high school the following year in 2001. Um, yeah, I mean, I was just, I don't, I mean, I, I, I really don't even remember. I, I think what I was doing was I was like probably playing video games. Me and my next door neighbor, Brendan, were probably having sleepovers, trying to unscramble cable porn a lot. Uh, this seems <laughs> like I do, I do. I do have a very fond memory of like media of this generation. Like, I think this is when we all got our first CD burners. So we were like making yeah. mix CDs from uh, single MP3s we would download off of Napster that would take us all day long. And then yep. we would just like burn these like fucked up like mix CDs and play them all the time. Like, I mean, that's, that's kind of our life. Uh, what about you, Eric? What were you doing in the year 2000? I was chatting it up with, with the ladies on aim, Jeremy. I was chatting it up. Uh, I was, I was watching wrestling. I was very into wrestling. You were, um, I was, yeah. I mean, like as much like the level of like a standard, like preteen boy gets into wrestling. Yeah. Uh, I was into, you know, the WWF, uh, who was I into? Like the Undertaker, Stone Cold Steve Austin. Yeah. The, the Rock was era. around at that time, wasn't he? Sure. The Rock. Yeah. Of yeah. course. Um, yeah. Actually, this might even predate my, my aim days. You know, I went in like chat rooms when I was very young and it like, they, they used to be for, for all of our gen Zers out there, and eh, we know you're out there listening, drinking your white claws. Uh, <laughs> we there used to be this thing called chat rooms, and there was a website. And uh, this is gonna make me feel like fe- seem like a damn nerd, but I used to go to this website. I think it was called like Chat City or something. Um, chat, but it City. was just it was literally just a bunch of you had like a name. You didn't have a profile or anything, and you would just go into different chat rooms, and I think some of them had categories, but it was just literally uh, like 50 people talking about random stuff, Hmm. and you would play like weird games and stuff, but I would just get exposed to like weird, like really (laughs) fucked up stuff that like probably an 11 or 12 year old shouldn't uh, even know about. Yeah, for sure Uh, not. (laughs) <laughs> at the time but uh i think i was into that i was into uh i probably this is around the N- n64 right yeah i mean yeah this is PS2, like we're maybe? about to we're about to get into the ps2 era because remember yeah. famously the ps2 came with a dvd player that's like why most people own yes. ps2s is because of that dvd player yeah so that was uh, that was what i was up to anyway I, I totally forgot about aim chat rooms eric you ever run into any, any uh pedophiles in those chat rooms <laughs> no, but there were like people that would be that would that would like uh like ask you if you wanted to cyber and I like didn't know what that meant until like later and I was like, Oh, I'm glad I never like took anyone up on the uh proposition to cyber <laughs> with me. <laughs> <laughs> oh to but, be, you know, to be, I was to out be there. young and not yet horny. Um, but you know, I was asking people their A's, their S's, their L's. Yeah, it's ASL, mm-hmm, right? <laughs> sex location, mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> which is still my my pickup line in real life. Yeah, uh, that I use to this day. I write ASL on a napkin. 
I say, how's your ASL? And then I'm usually talking <laughs> to football players. Uh, <laughs> so uh, that's the year 2000. Hit us up on Twitter if you have any great uh, anecdotes about the year 2000. This is a cool time. 98 to 2002, I feel like, is a fun... That's a fun little little uh, a slice of the time pie that I like to yeah there's like a little to- bit of a there's a little bit of a dip there around the uh, September area of sure. 2001 but <laughs> it is like the world changes forever <laughs> around that time yeah but, in a way but uh yeah because I think we're also like this is also Columbine is happening around this time yeah. and uh, we got a lot of and George W Bush is coming into office and we're we're out of the Clinton playing saxophone. We're into the Bush and war in Iraq. Hey boy. Some of those decisions we're still seeing the consequences and followed of today. Uh, Eric, let's talk about something a little less depressing, shall we? <laughs> High school students getting killed one by one by death. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah. High school student Alex Browning boards a Volet Airlines Boeing 747-200 flight 180 with his classmates for their senior trip to Paris. Now, uh, the opening of this film, I must give it a slight ding for being the longest credit sequence in the history yeah. of film. It's really weird. It's <laughs> like, it it's, doesn't match the tone of the movie, really. It's like... It sets the tone of like a hard-boiled like detective noir type yes. thing. Yes, a lot something. of fan shots, a lot of black yeah. and white fan shots. You know, I was thinking, uh, you know how like Audio Jungle is a resource you can go to if you're like making a podcast or a film and you want like basically like free, like not free, but like you want music that is not licensed. So you're, yeah. you know, you can purchase it from there. To me, that's what this opening felt like is a lot of like... Light, uh, a non-licensed uh, up for grabs uh, stock horror film opening shots. Yeah, speaking of non-licensed music, I'll have to th- I'll have to get another theme song for th- for this. Oh yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. You know, I'm a composer, you know, Eric. I could com- list- I could compose. Oh, are you? A tune? Interesting. A tune or two? Interesting. I mean, also, if you aren't to. aren't you a musician too? I've I've seen you play guitar to a big cow once upon a time. You know what? I am, but I don't have the resources to make something good uh, right now. Maybe I could. Um, you know what? Fuck it. I'll just do something dumb on guitar, and then we'll <laughs> call it a day. <laughs> I'll, I'll literally do that uh, after we record. Honestly, even though it may not be, it may or may not be good. It will be personal, so people will yeah. appreciate it. All right. Well, that's the story of the theme song you probably just heard. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so, um, yeah, longest intro in history. We get a brief moment with Devin Sawa and his family. I'm going to call him Alex yeah. probably for the duration of this, uh, I, this plot synopsis. There's so many of these line, like cheeky lines, but my favorite one, one of the first ones is when his dad says, this is a quote, live it up, Alex. You got your whole life ahead of you. <laughs> there's just all of all of these like dumb lines that no one would ever actually say yeah um that just like hint at like like wink at the viewer like we all know that they're g- gonna die right yeah yeah hey you know the premise of this film right like that's why you're here huh <laughs> yeah it's their final destination <laughs> uh am i right yeah i guess um yeah when he goes up to the counter at the airport to like get his passport checked or whatever it does have this like very uh ominous like final destination is like printed on the ticket 
which I yeah. guess is like why the movie is called Final Destination. Uh, but that's kind of what I, I. This is like just top-notch camp. I mean, oh, this yeah. is as campy as it gets, and I think this franchise gets, I believe it or not, even more campy. But yeah, there was like a thing. There's all the they make a big deal about these like really weird coincidences where it's like. Isn't like his flight leaves at the ta- same time that his birthday is, or some weird? Yeah, thing? they bring that up. Yeah. Or I guess somebody brings that up uh, to him, sort of before, sort of before, yeah. uh, either before or after. I, I actually can't remember exactly when that gets brought up, but it's in this sa- it's in this airport segment of the film. Um, sure. But yeah, no. So, and I also the one thing I did take umbrage though was. Um, the trip to Paris when he goes up to talk to the person at the airport they are Parisian but they're in New York <laughs> you know <laughs> I was wondering this too I think because I've flown I've flown to London a couple times yeah. and I know that on the flight over there the flight attendants were all British mm. they mm. all had like British accents and stuff it was also British Airways so I don't know but um, yeah, maybe they have I people working. I feel like the people working too at the check-in counter were were, but it it, it kind of like doesn't make sense, right? Because like why? Because they live, they don't live in the in Paris or whatever. Like exactly, they don't yeah, fly to work every day. Right. Yeah, and I mean maybe it's to have. I mean I've flown internationally before. Also, I I cannot remember like what what like where the person was from who handled me at the counter but maybe it is for like people from paris who are coming back home i don't know so uh but i i did see that and i was like huh i think well i i remember taking a note of it because it confused me as to where they were like i was like wait are is he coming home from paris and then it was like no he's at jfk airport anyways there's a bunch of hullabaloo. The teens and their two teachers get on the airplane. Um, Alex is offered to trade a seat with uh, Clear, I believe. Right? That's who. That's whose seat he's uh, he's asked to switch with. Um, I think so. Yeah. He accepts yeah. and then has a premonition of the plane exploding. And everyone on board dying a horrific, terrible death. Uh, some of these shots of people being sucked out of holes of airplanes, I was pretty... It, they, it did something to me. Uh, this might be a fear that it un, un, it unlocked. Yeah, I mean, this this wouldn't have been... I mean, maybe like now this could be done, but like... If this movie was like two years later in production, like it, they wouldn't have, even if it was like finished, they would have like had to like just shelve this movie because yeah. of nine eleven. It's a bus accident. Yeah, they just would. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, and especially, especially considering what we're gonna see later. So he has this yeah. premonition. Everybody gets sucked out of the airplane. It's crazy. He wakes up and realizes it didn't actually happen. Meaning he actually just saw everyone's death. He freaks out has like a full-on uh, full on meltdown on the plane. They have to carry him out. And when he gets carried out, a bunch of people come kind of file out along with him. Um, partly, I think Carter, uh, partly because he gets a f- in a fight with Alex on the plane. They both get carried out. 
than Carter's girlfriend. Uh, her name is escaping me right now. Terry? Is that her name? Um, Terry. I don't remember. It's Terry. <laughs> yeah. It's Terry. Yeah. Uh, and then, of course, Todd, the best friend. He's got a he's got a come with, with Alex. Um, Valerie uh, Luton and the other teacher sort of uh, come out to like uh, make sure everything's okay. And then Billy Hitchcock, who is uh, Sean William Scott, has no reason to come out of the airplane. He I love how he's like yeah th- he's his character is so so fucking weird to me there's a there's a moment where first of all i love the big like oversized hockey jersey that's yes. like classic 2000s look but there's a moment uh when he walks on the airplane and says uh, he's he's like eating he's like trying he's like late and he's like eating a big bag of like whoppers or something like some like <laughs> bizarre can't like just like a huge like family size bag of whoppers or some shit like Reese's pieces <laughs> very funny to me but yeah yeah um and this is the year after american pie uh, uh ma- breaks waves in the in the national zeitgeist so stifler is already a character in our minds. So picture that. We already know who Stifler is, and now we got Billy Hitchcock. It's like, is there anything Sean William Scott can't do? <laughs> Anyways. Um, so uh, none of the other passengers, no one believes Alex, except for Clear, because she's a goth. And as we all know, goth mommies, uh, they, they're into the, the mystical, uh, magical, maybe some, maybe this dark energy is for real. So if you're a goth mommy and you're listening to this, yeah. st- lay off the spells on me and Jeremy. Okay, we're we're on your side. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I uh, I had to. Uh, I, I I somebody recently had to kiss me out of being a frog. So stop it. <laughs> um, oh, you're finally a human now. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. 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 Everything. When I was in L.A., you were just a toad. Doing I was improv. a toad. I was a toad doing yeah. improv. It was hilarious, and now I'm no longer funny. But um, yeah, you it know. took you forever to edit scenes. By the way. <laughs> yeah, just slowly hopping across that stage. <laughs> so, uh, anyways, the 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 male teacher gets back on the plane, and they decide, you know what? Fuck it. We're just gonna we're just gonna come on a different plane later. So Miss Luton sort of. Kind of stays behind with the kids. Sean William Scott is watching out of the window, watching the plane take off. Uh, just bummed, bummed at the 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 loss of an opportunity to go to Paris. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> as that happens, the plane explodes in midair, causing a seismic sort of like what, what would you call it? Like a shock, a seismic shock to like mm-hmm. totally destroy all of the windows in the airport. Um, and then this is when we get our very first, uh, amazing reaction from our cast where nobody seems to be that, uh, shocked, bewildered, traumatized by it. They all just kind of <laughs> look at Devin Sawa like, you bastard. <laughs> you son of a bitch. You son of a bitch. And I, I just think these reactions are so fucking funny. I couldn't get over them the whole time. Like literally, anyways, we'll get to it. So, um... Uh, we get we get uh, our introduction to the FBI agents who come out of the woodwork to sort of, uh, I guess, interrogate everyone, especially Alex. Following, yeah, the these guys are fun. Like 
maybe not in this first scene, but after a while, these guys just kind of become funny to me. I don't right. know why. They just play it like they're uh, detectives in like a, like a 90s comedy or something. Oh, yeah. Yeah, no, they, they're there to service a, the plot and the plot alone. They're given no other dimension other than just stern, <laughs> you know? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, so 39 days later, the survivors attend a memorial service for the victims. Uh, I think the memorial service is very funny. At one point, um, you know, Alex is having to do a little, lot of damage control at this memorial service. At one point, he goes up to the teacher, Miss Luton, and she's like, get the hell away from me. You freak me out. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's not a direct quote, but she says something to that effect, which I thought was very funny, very inappropriate. <laughs> uh, yeah. So, um, yeah, that night, a chain reaction causes young Todd, young, young Todd Wagner. Yeah. To who be... looks and gives off the impression of a mafia character, by the way, like yes. the son of a, like he's like about, he's like trying to impress his like mafia boss father or something. Right. And he also gives me the vibes, speaking of uh, previous uh, episodes we've done. Um, he gives me vi- the vibes of Mark from Midsommar. <laughs> oh, right. Sure. Like, just like shithead friend who is only, uh, his only purpose is to just like be a shithead and die. <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, so yeah, Todd is, uh, shaving and clipping his nose hairs, which, I mean, Eric, I think I'm just now starting to get nose hairs, and I'm 32, so... I'm 12, so I'm a long ways away. Long ways away from that. Um, yeah, this was our very first uh, kill. Uh, this is a very famous, kind of, sort of iconic scene. It's as iconic, I think, as any of the other ones in this film. This one and the teacher one, I, I kind of put up against each other as I don't... Not yeah. sure which one's more iconic, but... This is the first time we see the gimmick of the film. And it right. is done incredibly well. It's shot very suspensefully. Basically, we see like a, a, a water start to sort of leak out of a bathtub. Yeah, this is the only movie I can think of where you're like, water is like a villain, <laughs> the villain oh, yeah. in it. Yeah. I also love after Todd dies when the water starts getting sucked back from where it came. Yes, it goes back to where, from where it came, thus yeah. uh, uh, being a conclusive evidence that this is uh, this is no accident. So, yeah, the, the water comes out. We see him shaving. We immediately are getting uh, cringe. I, I felt myself cringing up a lot because it's like, oh, yeah. God, like he's going to... Uh, slit his throat with the razor. Like it's 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 weird how like we've never seen the gimmick before. Audiences had never seen it before, but we immediately know what the gimmick is, right? It's like showing us, okay, this is how this person's gonna die. And then of course he gets out the nose, uh, the nose trimmers, sticks those up his nose. Uh, we're thinking, okay, great. So now he's gonna fall on his face. That's gonna go up into his brain. And then no, they're both red herrings. Uh, he eventually then ends up uh, taking clothes off of a clothes wire on his uh, on his bathtub, slips uh-huh. forward in the water, uh-huh. catching his own neck in the clothesline. It gets wrapped around, and then he's just completely unable 
to break the line and sort of get his way out of it. He's sort of just slipping in the bathtub, can't get a grip with his feet. Uh, his eyes fill up with blood, and he is strangled to death there in the bathroom. Uh, it's an incredibly effective scene. I, I thought it was good, and I love that they're, they're, they're also played for like, uh, you know, as the scene is progressing, we're sort of guessing how it's going to happen. You know, we're all playing detective in those scenes. Right. As campy as these movies get, this, I really think it's like very clever that this is, I mean, it is a slasher movie where just death, the concept of death is the villain, basically. Right. Or um, fate, I suppose. But I, this was like, yeah, this is like a very good execution of it. Like, like in the Chucky, in the Chucky movies, the first kill we see, uh, in the first child's play is like very it like sets a really good tone for the rest of the k- ch- the kills that we uh expect from those movies whereas in this movie i think it's the same thing like this is it's like complex in a way and it's kind of uh there is also a thing to these movies too that taps into like very real like human fears that people sometimes have like me like myself i think of like when i'm shaving sometimes i'll be like or or i have this when i'm using a q-tip i'll be like what if i just happen to like fall over in this q-tip like oh yeah stabbed into my brain like that's something that would happen in a final destination movie and these movies like show you that maybe like it they almost like make you have fears that you didn't even know you could have before and uh i think that's like a really cool and effective thing to do because at this point we're like so far into the horror genre that i think this is like maybe i don't know if revolutionary is a pretty heavy word but i don't know it's it's doing something like so much different than what's been done before so i really like this uh moment yeah me too um so uh, uh, his death is deemed a suicide. Alex does not believe that Todd killed himself, saying the line, I wrote this down because I thought it was so funny. Why would Todd make, make plans with me if he was going to kill himself? <laughs> <laughs> like, uh, nobody who's ever killed themselves has ever made plans before yeah. doing it. Yeah. Uh, he and Clear sneak into the, uh, the funeral home to see Todd's body, which I find to be completely morbid. And again, this is yep. sort of where the characters, they're already, they are already in Looney Tunes land where no one is doing anything that they should be doing or would actually be doing if they were in this position. So uh, they go into the funeral home to see Todd's body. It moves. It freaks them out. I mean, honestly, Eric, if you had died and... and uh-huh. And I like I I, I went to go see <laughs> your go body. Please go to the morgue. I, yeah. I I went to go see your body, and it moved. I mean, we're talking years of therapy. I would not be <laughs> over it like the next day. Uh, sure. So this is where we meet the mortician William Bloodworth or Bloodworth, yep. uh, played by Tony Todd, who's of course the Candy Man in the incredible film series Candy Man. Oh right, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, this is this is obviously like a uh, a nod to something here, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, other slasher films, other horror films. 
So he tells them in the most perverse, crazy way that they have cheated death's plan and death is now taking the lives of those who were meant to die on the plane. He kind of spells out the premise of the film. How Tony Todd knows, I'm not sure. Why these kids even believe this mortician, I'm not sure. But like the very next scene is like Alex being like, all right, the mortician said blah, 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 blah. Like these are the rules, you know, whatever. It's like, it's like this is based on Nothing but the hearsay and conjecture of a mortician. <laughs> I mean, right? <laughs> is there is there I, more? To, is he referencing like the Book of the Dead or like any any kind of thing that might have some sort of like I don't know legitimacy to it? Yeah, he does not cite any sources from my memory. <laughs> <Yeah>. He's uh, <laughs> he's just going based on like I guess we believe the mortician since the mortician's an authority on death. Right. I guess. <laughs> uh, so the next day, uh, Alex and Clear discuss the mor- uh, what the mortician said at a cafe. Although Clear is skeptical, Alex believed that believes that they can cheat death again if they look out for omens. Now, why he thinks this again, Eric? I mean, please correct me if I'm wrong. But why he thinks this, I have no idea because not only is he going off the cuckoo. Uh, thing that a mortician told him but the mortician also didn't even mention any of this part like he's just making this up as he goes he's just deciding for himself that he now believes that he can cheat death if they look out for omens but why does he think that like i i had no idea this movie and there's moments like this especially when uh alex right alex the main guy is like theorizing uh it it sounds as if, like, the writer, whoever, whoever is writing the film is, like, trying to figure out the logic through the dialogue that they're writing. <laughs> yes. You know what I mean? Like, they're, like, yes. writing their thought process on the page. And it, I mean, I don't know. It kind of, it doesn't make sense, but it works for me enough, I guess. Yeah. You know, I mean, it, it's, th- yeah. I, it's I gonna bring- be interesting watching these uh, the ones you haven't seen because I've seen all of these like not all of them but uh I've seen all of them but when I was a teenager I saw most of these yeah so there is kind of like uh you're like dumber when you're a teenager you're like a you're like a dumb idiot when yeah you're <laughs> a oh yeah kid. Mm-hmm. so you kind of just like don't question stuff like this but, right yeah you're yeah. right this is like so convoluted and doesn't really make any sense i mean to me i don't even mind the convolution i just i I just think it's so fucking funny when a character is just coming up with like nonsense in real time just like it's this and it's like where why would you assume it's that (laughs) that seems like the last thing i would assume given the information that i've been given um they encounter the rest of the survivors and uh, when Carter, the bully, provokes Alex, Terry breaks up with him right then and there before storming yeah. off in anger out into the middle of the road. What happens to Terry, Eric? Well, she gets across the road safely from what I, I got up to go to the bathroom real quick, but I, <laughs> I assume I did think it was weird. We don't see her the rest of the movie, though. Yeah. Well, yeah, because because yeah, what happens <laughs> is she crosses the street and then gets on a bus and leaves. So 
Uh, right. She oh, went she to gets go on pursue acting. Yeah, she went to go pursue acting in Los Angeles. Uh, I heard. Now nah, she gets hit by a bus. Oh yeah, she gets hit by a bus. <laughs> Is it? Well, yeah, it's a bus, right? Or a, a yeah, it's like a bus. Something. She gets run over. By I think a speeding I, bus. I tweeted this out like after that moment because I forgot about it. Yeah. No more people getting hit by buses randomly in movies. It works in this movie, and I think I said the last time it worked well was uh, when. Uh, uh, Bride Seth Chucky, Rogen's right. character oh, no. in uh, 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 Eastbound and Down season three, yes, like randomly gets hit by a bus and it's really funny and weird. Yes, yeah. But no uh, more, no more show. people getting hit by buses in movies. Okay, if you're a, if you're a writer out there, and we know there's some big Hollywood writers listening to big this. wigs, yeah. Take another, take a step back if you're about to do a but getting hit by a bus scene. Yeah. Do something else. Yeah, subvert it somehow. Maybe they get uh, hit by a bird scooter or something instead. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, Eric, it. speaking of uh, Danny McBride vehicles, have you been watching uh, The Righteous Gemstones? No. What the hell is that? This is the first I'm hearing of this. The Righteous Gemstones are, uh, it's a Danny McBride joint starring Danny McBride, um, uh, John Goodman, and... Fuck! What's that guy's name uh, from? Uh, from Workaholics. Mm, Adam Devine. Adam Devine. Yeah, they play. Uh, so uh, John Goodman plays the dad, and Danny McBride and Adam Devine plays his two sons, and they're like, they're like a um, family of preachers. So like uh, John Goodman is a as a world famous tele- televangelist and his like family is sort of part of that like lineage where they all like they all like go out and like save souls and like bat- mass baptize people and stuff and it's a full on like David Gordon Green style Eastbound and Down comedy. God damn it, Jeremy! I'm gonna have to watch this. Yeah. You know, I think I talked about this recently, but I I'm kind of like. I don't watch a lot of TV anymore. I just watch movies. Sure. But I think I'm going to have to watch this. I fucking Eastbound and Down was, uh, I mean, give me a good comedy. Give me almost anything Danny McBride does. And uh, Yeah. Did you like Vice Principals? I loved Vice Principals. Yeah. yeah. This is, this is. I will say that the, uh, I think only the pilot has aired so far for The Righteous oh, Stones. Okay. It's an hour long pilot. And dude, it's fucking amazing (laughs) like it's just it's so fucking good and so funny and has a lot of this uh the the same cast that you're used to seeing in a lot of their stuff uh yeah it's just really good it's a really good social commentary too anyways i can't i can't recommend it enough okay jeremy fine i'll watch your tv show okay i also made it thank you uh (laughs) back to final destination so terry gets hit by the bus uh, after like they all watch this and the blood literally like splatters onto their face again this is another moment where everyone reacts just completely like weird fucking sociopaths <laughs> or like like just like they all just like look around at each other like huh i wonder if i wonder if this is all real you know so i mean it's just like the funniest yeah. reactions ever they're not like screaming what the fuck like yeah they're not like fucking freaking out yeah. yeah so uh this this uh, then has, there's a hard cut to more than one character uh you, like getting a seltzer water <laughs> <laughs> 
It's like uh, both Devin Sawa puts like his little seltzer in his water, and then it like that like transitions into, I guess, um, what's her name? The teacher, Luton, uh, hmm. also going for a seltzer. So this is when Alex realizes that the survivors are dying in the order they were meant to die on the plane. So and I guess he's he's kind of going from memory from the memory of his uh, his premonition. He deduces that Miss Luton is next and rushes to her house to ensure her safety by acting like a total creep and looking at her tires very closely. Honestly, if I was Miss Luton, I would have called the cops too. That he, uh, yeah, that for was sure. it was like he should have just knocked on her door instead of like hanging out like a fucking criminal and going right for her tires. Like what? I guess he's checking to see if they were popped or not, but. I mean, it just it's just not a good look when the FBI agents show up and they bring him in for questioning. So un- he, uh, although he's unable to convince the agents of what is happening, they decide to let him go. Nonetheless, he is too late to save Miss Luton, who goes through her other little final destination moment. Eric, from your memory, what do you like better, Todd's death or Miss Luton's? Miss Luton, for sure. Yeah, this one is pretty is pretty crazy. She her TV explodes, lodging a piece of glass into her <laughs> yeah. neck. So that's kind of how it starts, right? <laughs> right. You, uh, you know how TVs explode. I know lodging uh, glass into your neck. Yeah, my my girlfriend who was watching this with me uh, was uh, her comment around this time was like, "This film also doesn't know how products work." <laughs> <laughs> Uh, which I tend to agree with and I think is very funny. Like, they, they could have just, uh, what's it called, a Rube Goldberg machine? They yeah. could have just Rube Goldberged it, but instead they also just, like, make things weird. Like, they kind of, like, make things happen that wouldn't necessarily happen. Like, yeah, the TV explodes. She's, like, trying to make her way back to the kitchen where, um, uh, correct my memory here, but this is uh she she slips on something is that is that right because she ends up on the ground at one point and everything ends up on fire so what what is going on here i think she slips right because i know she's like reaching up for uh that Uh, knife no she's reaching up for a towel which she doesn't realize is like wrapped around the knife and that's when she pulls that down the knife then falls on her stomach i mean she's like already set to (laughs) die just from the tv explosion but uh, yeah, her whole house is on fire. The knife is in her belly. Devin Sawa then uh, runs into the house and uh, tr- tries to help her. And actually, I-, I was actually impressed with this part. He actually does. Like, like the whole like kitchen was set to fall on her, and then he actually pushes it back. But when he yeah. does that, like a chair falls down on her uh, knife, thus sealing her fate. Uh, killing her instantly he then does this weird thing where he pulls the knife out and then like looks at it like oh no i'm now a suspect like uh then he runs from the house as it explodes i mean death really wanted miss luton i think that's what we're led to believe here yeah uh so um the remaining survivors reunite to discuss what to do while driving through town during their conversation Carter learns that he is next on death's list. Frustrated over not having control over his own life. This is after Carter, by the way, says the line literally, I'm never going to die at the funeral. I love it when he says that. Which is so badass. Yeah. Uh, So he's such a fucking loser, dude. Yes. He's such a loser. Yeah. 
there's definitely people uh, in that I could remember from this time that were like a little bit older than me because I was only 11. But when this came out, but uh, that just I were total Carters. <laughs> oh yes, yeah. I mean, I can I I, I can name a few Carters um, of of my own too. Yeah. Uh, just people with cars. That was another thing. Getting cars early was usually a car. It's a, that's a big Carter move. Um, right. So, I, you know, I was just talking to someone about this, and this is way off topic, but I just want to know if this was something that happened in Texas hmm. uh, when you were a teenager. Up in Wisconsin, by me, there were there were people that got very into car audio in high school, and they would put in, like, huge subwoofers oh, in their yeah. trunks. And you would, like, ride in these cars, these, like, Hyundais with, like, huge, like, like $4,000, like, sound systems with huge subwoofers. And you'd sit in the back seat listening to, like, I don't know, like, My Chemical Romance or something. Oh, hell and you, yeah. It, you would just, like, it's it was, like, unpleasant. You would just be, like, vibrating. You could only hear the bass of it. Yeah, <laughs> like, I mean, you still hear those sound systems around town. Like, it'll still be somebody driving up and down the street, uh, blasting sure. a uh, a blasting a, a tune that is sort of like, "Well, hey, bud, I'm trying to sleep over here." <laughs> yeah, um, at least play some ocean sounds or something. Yeah, play some play some Frank Ocean sounds. <laughs> So uh, they're driving around. They're going crazy. Carter parks his car on a train track just to prove a Hell point, yeah. I suppose. They all get out of the car. The train starts to come. Carter goes to get out of the car and realizes he can't. The seatbelt is stuck, and the, the locks <laughs> just like will not unlock. Devin Sawa then uh, pulls uh, Carter out of the car just before the train smashes it, and... In the wake of this sort of like crazy goings on, uh, Sean William Scott is having a full on freak out. Billy is <laughs> uh, is is screaming at, at Carter that he's next, he's gonna die, blah blah blah. But what he doesn't realize is that when somebody is saved from death, they are skipped, and the next person is on the chopping block. So when Billy goes to turn around and face the train for whatever reason a piece of shrapnel completely decapitates Billy. <laughs> this like, might be my favorite death <laughs> in the film. I mean, come on, dude. Like it's just it's, so it's funny. It's almost it. played for laughs. I mean, it's like it is uh, definitely not convoluted in any way. very not complicated, but it's, it's definitely fucked up. <laughs> I, I have a, um, I think I changed, yeah, I changed our, our, like, Twitter picture to that scene of him, like, right before he falls down. Yeah, the banner uh, of our uh, SoundCloud is also that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 Um, so, Alex deduces that because he intervened, Death skipped Carter and moved on to Billy, and he realizes he is next on Death's list. Later, while hiding out in a fortified cabin, I'm not sure how fortified you could actually make a cabin at this point. Uh, it seems like death knows no bounds. It doesn't really play by typical rules. Uh, Alex recalls <laughs> changing seats with two girls in his premonition. This is sort of what I was uh, alluding to earlier. So meaning that Clear is actually next. So while he's hiding out, he doesn't even realize that Clear is next. 
Um, so this is we're kind of getting like a cut back and forth between uh, Alex and Clear. Clear is uh is uh like watching, I guess uh, a dog is barking outside. She starts to watch like her like what is that thing it's an umbrella right it starts to like spin out of control kind the of weather vane the weather vane yeah Dude, uh, this was like after there is a moment this might have been way before this but i just want to talk about so there's a moment where like clear is like welding and alex comes up to her yes yes um that is, that and is, she, that is near the beginning of the film yeah sure so she has like she's like a welder we're to believe she's like an artist she shows him that like weird art piece, and she was like, "This reminds me of you, cause you're so. Uh, the way you make me feel is so. I don't know how what to think about it, and uh, I don't understand. She has this like whole garage filled with like metalwork that she makes and shit, and uh, like, what is her? Do we ever get her backstory with her parents and shit? Because she like doesn't have a family or something, right? I I don't know. She uh, we never see her parents, and she is sort of just like kind of out on her own a lot. She is she yeah she's being full on just the arty fartiest person you could ever yeah. imagine. I love <laughs> that she's already made a sculpture for how much she wants to fuck Devin Sawa, which she <laughs> yeah. basically says to him right to his face, and he just kind of goes with it it's an incredibly strange uh conversation they have in this the- was it made me feel like an old man like watching this like little like tryst happen where i'm like these are fucking like te- i'm look. i'm watching teenagers from like 19 years ago this is oh, very hell weird. yeah hell yeah yeah you're watching <laughs> two 40 year olds right now <laughs> yeah uh yeah, yeah. so um yeah so shit starts to go crazy over at the um clear rivers household uh devin sawa is trying to get there as fast as he can but the fbi agents catch up with him and start chasing him through the woods um we're kind of getting some cut back and forth between devin sawa being chased him falling down a uh a little hill almost getting stabbed in the face by a piece of wood and we're getting (laughs) that cut in between clear uh getting you know like uh, uh there's like an umbrella that stabs inside of the pool a little above ground pool that starts to flood the area as an electrical wires going nuts she jumps out of the way saving her dog just in time doesn't get electrocuted by that wire and it ends up in her own car where uh the electrical wire has fallen on it uh alex arrives at her house just in time and he grabs the cable sort of saying you know, hey, I, if I do this, it'll go back to me, and then basically you'll be saved. He uses his weird death logic in this moment to decide that if he just dies, then she won't have to, which I think is yeah. just like he's he's just making up rules as he goes. Uh, so he grabs the cable, allowing her to escape from the car just before it explodes. Uh, we're believed that Alex uh, died in this uh, event, and he did not, actually. He survived. Six months later... Alex Clear and Carter travel to Paris. They make it there, Eric. They finally make it there. Bonjour. Bonjour. Just to celebrate their survival with a nice glass of wine and a baguette. While discussing their ordeal, Alex realizes that death actually never skipped him. After seeing more omens, he leaves the table and a bus almost hits him. It swerves and crashes into a large neon sign (laughs) <laughs> and swings down towards Alex. Carter Uh-oh. pushes Alex out of the way at the last second, and Alex says, 
that death has skipped him. When Carter asks who is next, the sign swings back down towards Carter, <laughs> and the screen cuts to black, and an amazing uh, song plays at the end. Uh, Eric, what is this song? Is it, uh, I can't, I'm guessing, because I can't remember, is it uh, Country Road? No. Um, it is not. Even though there is a moment uh, where there is like a a vagabond in the street who's playing guitar, and he's playing um, Country Road. Uh, the little tune. Is it uh, When Worlds Collide by Power Man 5000? No, I wish it was, though. <laughs> Uh, I think it's called Joe. I think it's the song is called "And When I Die" by Joe Ninety. Okay, all right. <laughs> Joe Ninety, named after Go Ninety, of course. Of so. course, yeah. Eric Koppel, what did you think of Final Destination? Jeremy, I I had a great time rewatching this movie. I mean, my I, you know, there's some nostalgia in this for me, but. Uh, I think this is. I, I talked about this with uh, after we talked about the uh, Todd's death. Um, I just think this is like such a great uh, change for the the horror genre. Like I love when anything, when anyone can think of anything creative and different compared to like the millions and millions of horror movies that are just the same thing over and over again. Um, yes. I love it. I, I mean, it's it's so good. I, I'm able to, uh, I guess, suspend disbelief. I mean, in a way, you're kind of watching this as like a fictional snuff film where, like all of these movies, where like you're kind of rooting for the deaths to happen because you want to see how they happen. And I like how some of them are just like come out of nowhere. Some of them don't make sense. Some of them are more fucked up, like... They get so creative as this franchise goes along that uh, I'm really excited for it. Um, there is a uh, there's things that I remember from these movies that like stick with me that, that like have affected my life. There's one that I can't wait to talk about in part two. Oh, great! That, um, has like still to this day impacts my uh, something that I do when I'm driving, but. Um, yeah, I, I I love this movie. Uh, I I would say, I mean, what are we gonna what what are we gonna rate these out of? Uh, Chucky, we had the uh, freckles. What do we do freckles. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, oh man, this is great. Uh, this should be uh, out of. Um, <laughs> oh man. Uh, John. Not John Denver's. That's dumb. Um, hmm. Uh, hey, remember wh- how much money we both spent on improv classes? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this should be out of fuck. I, I guess um, plane crashes. Yeah, plane crashes. <laughs> yeah, okay. yeah. I I give this first. Well, I mean, why don't you rate it and then I'll go. Yeah, I would get. I give this one a four and a half out of five plane crashes, and plane crashes are good in this situation. Yes, they're very good. Um, yeah, I, in, I, I. Well, oh yeah, what? And in every situation, most jo- situations joke. they are they are uh, pretty good. Yeah. 
<laughs> I uh, I dug this film. I thought it was a very fun throwback. It was a, it was a factory of nostalgia for me, even though I don't have a ton of specific nostalgia for the moments and events of the film. It was just a general nostalgia, like oh, there's Devin Sawa, an actor I used to like when I was younger. No, oh, there's Sean mm-hmm. William Scott, and a very '90s looking film, uh, late '90s looking film. Uh, uh, I, I, I dug it, you know? I, I had a good time watching it. Does the logic hold up? Absolutely it does. It is illogical. It's as it's sound as the theory of everything, the theory of relativity <laughs> itself. Uh, no, it, it's not. It is. Uh, it, ha- it makes no sense at all. Not one <laughs> bit of it makes sense. Why doesn't death... I mean, if we were to ever learn that the character of death just enjoyed toying with people... Uh, now we have a little bit more to go on, but as it is, it's like death. You don't have to kill him in these insane ways. I mean, the guy just had nose pliers up his nose. Just have his hand slip and there he's gone, you know? But uh, I do, I do appreciate the gimmick of the film. I do. I do. I'm glad that this is a film series and I'm glad we're covering it. Um, so, Hey, here's to three more. And yeah, just for the sake of uh, solidarity, Four more. There's yes, sir. Two, three. The final destination, and then there's one after that. I think so. Uh, final destination movies. I swear to God, there's five of them. One, two. Yeah, final destination two. Final destination three. The final destination, and then final destination five. Ooh, I did not. I did not know there was a fifth one. So yeah, for the next uh, month and some change, we'll be covering the Final Destination films. Uh, I would give this one five uh, plane crashes out of five. I'm gonna Hell go ahead. Yeah, and I'm gonna dude. start high just because I have uh, this uh, this nagging feeling that they might go <laughs> downhill from here, but uh, maybe they won't. Maybe they'll surprise me. Eric, do you have anything you want to plug before we uh, get the hell out of here? Uh, I have nothing I want to plug, Jeremy. Um, other than keep listening, we uh, we're in talks with some guests. Uh, scheduling is hard, but we've got some good some good guests coming up hopefully here. And uh, check out our Patreon. You can find it on our Twitter, Chucky Rules Four Twenty. Um, and uh, yeah, and uh, one thing I wanted to throw out here, Jeremy, and uh, this is something we did on our final chatting about Chucky episode. Mm. Um, but this is a little incentive for uh, if you sign up for the Patreon and there is a $1 a month uh, tier where you can simply just support the show and know that you're uh, you know, helping us cover the costs and stuff like that. If you do that, Jeremy and I will come up with a... Uh, we will impro- improvise a, a death uh, the way that you would die in a Final Destination yes, film. Yes, yes. And uh, that goes for if you sign up for any of the tiers. We have the $5 tier where you get to hear one extra bonus episode uh, a, a week. Um, and there are higher tiers where you can tell us to do an episode about something. You can come on the show and be a producer. Uh, yeah, so uh, check out the Patreon, patreon.com slash Eric and Jeremy. And uh, Jeremy... You got something to plug, my boy? Uh, nothing to plug. No, nothing to plug. I, I, I do. Uh, I, I mean, I guess if you're in the Los Angeles area, you can come out every second Wednesday of the month to watch uh, Mod Night at UCB. My team, Hail Mary, goes up. We're the best team of all uh, of all time and of all other teams. And there's no one who's ever been better than us and never will be. 
yeah, and then on top of that, oh yeah, please listen to the other shows on the Schmidt Cast family of uh, podcasts. So you'll have like uh, Video Games a Comedy Show, which is another another uh, another show that I host with a gaggle of uh, comedian writers. We all just talk about video games. Uh, you can listen to Reality Bits, which is an improvised show. Um, yeah, there's a lot of good stuff. But uh, yeah, uh, Eric. You know, yes. I guess we're at the point now. Yeah. Do you got something? <laughs> I got. I had something. Do you have something? Okay, great. Uh, not really. No. What do you got? I'm never going to die. <laughs>